Oh, we go way back. <laughs> the, uh, the Carson Temple and myself, I can't say if this is my first recollection or simply because I've seen the picture of me there. Uh, when I was eight years old, my sister got married at the Carson Temple, my oldest sister. And so those are sort of the first images I have of me at the temple is at that time. Hi, I'm Jerrica. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Temple Tours. Today we are joined by Stephen and Tom, who will be sharing stories about why this temple is special to them. Our goal is to virtually take you to Latter-day Saint temples around the world. We discuss the history of each area, little-known facts, symbolism, and we'll always be sure to include at least one story submitted by you, our listeners. Today, we are talking about one of the first Latter-day Saint temples ever built. In fact, it was the first temple built outside of the United States. We're talking about the Cardston Alberta Temple. Like this temple is old, you know, first temple in Canada. Uh, it's been around for forever. You know, it was just so, so amazing having first been built in uh, or dedicated in 1923, almost a uh, hundred years ago. You know, being in this temple that has withstood the sands of time, if you will. You know, it's had renovations and stuff over the years and has been changed from time to time, but the Cardston Alberta Temple is very special to me because it was the first temple that I was able to go into after being baptized as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It wasn't something that I had focused on back when it was being, when there was an open house and a rededication. Uh, I didn't really know much about it at that time uh, in the early 90s and so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that was kind of on my radar, but after I got baptized and learned about the ordinances that you can achieve in the temple and the uh, special blessings that you can get from the temple and doing temple service, it became a, a very important focal point in my life. The presence of the church in Southern Alberta dates back to pioneer times. Although the major cities in the area were not initially settled by members of the church, many of the smaller towns that dot southern Alberta were founded by pioneers arriving from Utah under the direction of Brigham Young. Latter-day Saint pioneers arrived in southern Alberta in June of 1887. Only a year later, John Taylor prophesied that a temple would be built in the area. By the early 1900s, Latter-day Saint pioneers had settled 19 small towns dotting southern Alberta, with a total Latter-day Saint population of about 10,000. To this day, Cardston and Raymond are two of the largest of the pioneer towns, with a big high school sports rivalry that dates all the way back to 1913. The rapid growth of saints in Alberta caught the prophet's attention, and in the fall of 1912, President Joseph F. Smith announced that there would certainly be a temple in Canada. In an article dated January of 1913, the Deseret Evening News published that it had not yet been decided where the temple would be located. However, the location would undoubtedly be either at Raymond or Cardston. This announcement stirred up much excitement in Raymond and Cardston, and so both towns began selecting sites for the temple. However, in February, the stake president received a letter stating that the temple would be built in Cardston. He was asked to keep this information to himself for a little while. President Joseph F. Smith traveled to Cardston in July of 1913 to dedicate the temple grounds. 
the the temple goes back uh, quite a history in our family is that my my parents were sealed there and this was after they were married in Regina and of course back in those days what was the year oh anyways it's back around World War Two anyway they my parents they they were they were told to get married when they could so my dad was serving in the Canadian Navy and they were living in Victoria and he got a break uh, a leave and so they took the old Kettle Valley Railway line that's an old steam locomotive line that went across the southern part of British Columbia and they arrived in Lethbridge and had various friends help them and got on a bus and got it ended up in Karsten when it came to choosing a design for the Karsten Temple, the First Presidency decided to hold a competition for the design of the temple. They invited all prominent Latter-day Saint architects of the time to submit drawings, which were displayed publicly before the decision was made. Most of the seven firms that submitted designs for the Karsten Temple looked to past architecture for inspiration. They included things like towers and pinnacles, like the ones that we see on the Salt Lake Temple. However, the First Presidency wanted something new and daring. On January 1st, 1912, they announced the winners, Hiram Pope, a 32-year-old from Germany, and Harold Burton, who at the time was only 25. The Deseret Evening News reported that the inside design would be similar to the other temples in the church, but outside it is totally unlike any of them. The architects were asked to conform to the particular requirements of such a building rather than to imitate any architectural style. Before the Karsten Temple, every temple had been designed under the Prophet's supervision. This temple was the first to be designed by prominent architects Hiram C. Pope and Harold W. Burton. Their design was also used as a pattern for the Laie Hawaii Temple that began construction in 1915, but it was completed four years before the Karsten Temple. Aspects of the design were also used in Mesa, Arizona, Idaho Falls, Idaho, and Los Angeles, California. More on these temples in future episodes. Construction did not begin until November of 1913. White granite was shipped in from Nelson, BC, located 471 kilometers or 292 miles away, a trip that would take six hours one way by car today. This long trip with granite was not the only thing that hindered construction on the temple. Construction was also slowed by World War I, harsh winters, and insufficient funds. Women from across the church wanted to help move the work forward, so the Relief Society General Board started a penny subscription, much like the one that had been started for the Nauvoo Temple. Women of the church saved a penny a week, which soon totaled $13,000 that was donated to the construction of both the Alberta and Hawaii temples. To put that in perspective, $13,000 in the early 1900s is equivalent to just over $350,000 today. Local sisters saved eggs that their chickens laid on the Sabbath and donated the value of them, or the eggs themselves, to the temple project. They were able to raise another $1,500. The cornerstone was laid by Elder David O. McKay in September of 1915, with nearly 2,000 people gathered to witness such a momentous occasion. Almost exactly two years later, on September 23, 1917, the capstone was set. Work continued inside until 1923, when the temple was dedicated on August 26th. In the dedicatory prayer, President Grant prayed, We thank thee, our Father and our God, for those now living who embrace the gospel in this choice land, and others who have emigrated from the United States and other countries to Canada, and that they are now to have the privilege of entering into this holy house and laboring for the salvation of their ancestors. 
Now, nearly a hundred years later, patrons from all over the world have done work for their ancestors in the Cardston Temple. My attendance at the temple, one of the first memories I have is going as a youth when I was 12. And this was with the deacons, Corm, and driven down by some leaders from Calgary to Cardston. I remember being in the library in the youth section of, of the temple where you enter in over on the uh, wet east doors. And being in the library and just, some of the boys were sort of chatting and doing a lot of stuff. And I just felt like it was a time to be very reverent. And I was... I wanted them to be quiet too. I, I, I've always had fond memories of that. A later trip to the temple, a year or two later, this would have been a little while, I guess a year after my grandfather passed away and he had never joined the church. My mother joined the church and her sister joined the church and my grandmother uh, had joined the church, but my grandfather hadn't. And I was able to be baptized on his behalf uh, in the Carson Temple. And I can remember that and remembering how good I felt that I could do that. That's, that's one of the real personal experiences that I've had being at the Carson Temple and doing work for someone I knew personally that I had lived, been with. That, that, uh, that memory will stick with me, I think, the rest of my life. In 1923, around the time of the temple dedication, Joseph Young Card wrote the following of the temple in the Lethbridge Daily Herald, quote, Impressive and unique, it occupies a distinctive place of its own in the historic field of architecture. It has the Grecian massiveness, the Peruvian touch, and is similar only to the ancient temples of the Aztecs. Of the nine temples erected by the Latter-day Saints, there is no other of similar exterior design. End quote. The temple was renovated and updated in the 1950s and again from 1988 to 1991. While the renovations in the 50s were necessary to add locker rooms and offices, they also removed or refreshed many of the original features of the temple, including murals, flooring, lighting, and woodwork. The renovations of the 1980s were primarily to upgrade electrical and mechanical systems, as well as uncover original murals and restore the temple to its pioneer design. This meant that some of the items removed had to be recreated. So the temple had been brought back to a lot, a lot of its lost glory that had happened over many years, and, and uh, they restored many things back. For instance, the early days when I first went to the temple, the, um, they had benches in, there's benches in most of the ordinance rooms going through the world room, but the, the terrestrial room had fold-down chairs like choir seats in a church. Anyways, those were taken out and they, they found, they were able to retrieve most of the benches that had been taken out years earlier and given out to various people. And they were able to retrieve almost all of them except for one or two. And they, those benches are, are curved to go around in a semicircle in that room. They're really quite unique and they were able to restore that back. And I, I love that. And, uh, and the same as these lamps that are on the walls, they retrieved some of the original ones and they were able to recreate the missing one that was there that had been there originally too. And a lot of all the gold leafing was restored in that early 19 renovation. Uh, and a lot of the fine paintings, the hyena was restored. That's in the world room on one of the walls. Some temple president or somebody along the way from the original mural didn't like that and had this hyena painted over with something else. And that was restored back then. That's what's wonderful is you've got murals or paintings on all in all these different rooms symbolizing that progression. 
And if you have an opportunity to go to the Cardston Temple, you know, take the time to look at everything. The paintings, the murals in the rooms are spectacular. You know, sit at the back if you can, because that way you can get the, the full the full view of all the murals on the sides of the walls and that. And it is just so super cool to be in there and to be able to, to go through that session and do ordinance work there and be able to be in there and feel of the spirit. You know, pictures just do not do it justice. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to be in a number of temples and um, you yeah, know, the pictures that you find online or in a book are just definitely do not do it justice. You know, the stone, being able to touch the stone or the wood or the feel the carpet under your feet is just, it is so exquisite. And especially once you get to that celestial room, you you feel you're like floating on the air and that you're able to, you know, feel a part of heaven there. Members of the church from all over Canada and the northwestern corner of the United States benefited from having a temple in Cardston for decades. Members from Calgary, Alberta, a city located about two hours north of Cardston, commonly stopped at the 7-Eleven in Clare's home, which is about halfway, for fried chicken and potato wedges. Legend has it that when President Hinckley traveled to Cardston to rededicate the temple in 1991, he stopped at the same 7-Eleven to honor this tradition. Soon after the last rededication, the Cardston Temple became a National Historic Site of Canada. The Cardston Temple was the first Latter-day Saint temple built outside of the United States. It is also the first temple to have no assembly hall, and is currently one of the few temples to not have an angel Moroni. The temple is symmetrical, and until the most recent renovations, there was no clear front side of the temple. In the 1980s, they added a front room that acts as a peaceful waiting room on the west side facing the awe-inspiring Chief Mountain. They also added a small visitor center out front, where you can go and learn more about the history of the Cardston Temple and the people who helped settle the town. Unlike many modern baptistries that are lowered into the floor, the baptismal font in the Cardston Temple is lifted above the ground floor. While you wait your turn to enter the font, you sit on a bench with the oxen nearly at eye level. Then you ascend a few stairs before entering the font. The baptistry has high ceilings with walls covered in marble about halfway up. This makes the room echo, encouraging those waiting their turn to sit reverently and ponder the significance of the ordinance. To prompt thought, there are paintings hung above the marble on each of the four walls surrounding the font. Each depicts a different dispensation, Adam, Moses, Jesus Christ, and Joseph Smith. Before we share the symbolism found in this beautiful temple, we would like to remind you that you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Temple Tours Pod. Be sure you're following us for a more visual version of each episode with pictures and videos. If you would like to support us via Patreon, you'll also receive more exclusive content like uncut interviews with our storytellers, an after the credits conversation for each episode, and more. That can all be found at patreon.com slash Pod. We are so grateful for your support. One of the other neat things in, in the Carson Temple is you move, you move room to room. And at that time, when I went, it was a live temple session. So you had live actors performing in the temple rather than the film portraying the, uh, the temple ceremony. But what was unique is in the Carson Temple, in the progression through those rooms, 
you go up a few steps and around to the next side of the temple. And so these rooms go around the, the, the temple, Carson Temple's like a square, and there's staircases in three of those corners. You're progressing upwards. And finally, when you go into the celestial room, which is at the top center of the temple, you've gone up a few more steps and you're in that top center room. And so as we progress through that temp through the temple and through that those ordinances, and my first time through, you know, I'm I'm sort of you're not really aware of everything, but you know you're going places. And I ended up up in the celestial room, and I'm like, you know, how did we get here exactly? And I said to my dad, I said, how do we get out of here? And he says, Tom, it's not how you get out of here, it's how you get in here that is important. And that's always stuck to me uh, as, a, as an important part of thinking of the symbolism and, and the progress you make through the temple. Another feature that is unique to this temple is that there are four ordinance rooms, one on each side of the temple, with each room a quarter story above the last, symbolizing progression as you climb towards the celestial room. There are only six other temples with a similar progression. With each ordinance room a quarter of a story higher than the last, rotating on the points of a compass, this represents our upward progression towards the celestial kingdom. Similarly, as you climb in the ordinance rooms, the woods get darker and the carving becomes more ornate. The woods used in this temple include oak, bird's eye maple, South American walnut, African mahogany, rosewood, and ebony. There, there is so much symbolism in there. Uh, when I went through with another friend about a month after I'd gone through the first time, we both went to the same mission a month apart. And so I got to go to the temple when he went to the temple for the first time. And I went down there with him and his parents. And we got a, a little tour. And right opposite the celestial room, there is three small ceiling rooms. These are not really large enough to have a large wedding party. And they're only going to sit uh, around a dozen people or maybe 15 people. But I remember then the the temple ordinance worker, or maybe it was the temple president, he, he showed us the fine woodwork in there. And he showed us this place where the wood, and, and there were shadows, and it looked like two people kneeling to each other. And so that was like symbolism as two people being sealed at the altar. So those are little things like that. The woodwork in the Carson temple, oh, I just love it. There, you go from room to room, and there's I can't remember all the wood that's in different rooms. I think it's in the uh, the garden room that has the the bird's eye maple, and it's it's just unbelievable. In discussing the innovative design of the Carson Temple, Paul Anderson wrote, "To say that the temple was influenced by the work of other architects does not imply that it was lacking in originality. Indeed, Pope's and Burton's great achievement was their ability to use the newest and best design ideas in a way that was particularly appropriate for a Latter-day Saint temple." Since the new temple was to have neither a large assembly room nor towers like previous temples, a completely new arrangement had to be worked out. Burton and Pope also took great care to ensure that the design complemented the landscape. Placed on a small hill surrounded by prairie, the temple appeared equally strong, well-proportioned, and handsome from all angles. Like other temples, the Karsten Temple possesses the same feeling of prominence, solidity, and dignity that had characterized all of the earlier temples, even though its modern style is a vast contrast to the temples previously built by the church.
Thank you for listening. We hope you learned something new about the Cardston Temple today. If you would like to submit a story about the temple that you love, you can email us at ldstempletours at gmail.com. And be sure to join us on Instagram and Facebook at Temple Tours Pod this week as we share more photos and stories about this beautiful pioneer temple. Until next week. Temple Tours is a production of Mecco Radio. Jerrica Dennison and Matthew Wild hosted today's episode. Special thank you to Tom and Stephen for sharing their stories with us. This episode was written and produced by Jerrica Dennison, with field production and editing by myself, Alex Williams. The music we use includes Where I Find Rest by Sunwash, In the Clouds by Be Still the Earth, Wonderland by Midtro, Ray by Kevin Graham, Horizon by Cloud Cover, Intro by Miles Kredic, and After All This Time by Ben Winwood. A full list of sources and credits can be found in the show notes. And, we should note, this is not an official podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with an episode on the Laie Hawaii Temple. 